0: rights
1: where writers rock if you haven't listened before i'm katrina one of your hosts
0: and i'm sheila the other part to this duo we haven't been recording as much as we'd like to but we hope despite the irregular schedule you'll continue to tune in and hear more about the authors living in the greater rochester area in our latest episode,
1: we feature the founder and president of the nonprofit Rochester Black Authors Association, who's incorporated his extensive knowledge and experiences of our city into his writing, merging fiction with nonfiction in all the best ways. So without further ado, we'd like to welcome Corey Lamar Tanksley to the show. Hi, Corey.
2: Hi, hey, how you guys doing? Good welcome, Corey. Thank you. Pleasure to be here.
1: So Corey is the author of b boy to Man, Freshman. The debut novel of his four-book series, which deals in themes about love, growth, respect, and hip-hop. He is the 2015 recipient of the Rock Award for Best Author and was nominated for the 2018 Rochester Black Men Achieve Awards for Outstanding Literary Work. And it sounds like he may have a sequel coming soon. But first, why don't don't you tell us a little bit about the first book in the series that you you launched a couple years ago? Is that correct?
2: Yes. Yes. So... Uh, we first released the book in 2014, but then we redid it and did it in 2016. And the um, sophomore Jinx, which is the follow-up to freshman, will be out in April. So just to kind of clear that up. Um, so B-Boy The Man Freshman uh, is set in 1989 uh, with old school uh, R&B, old school hip hop. It's kind of like the soundtrack to their story. So as you're reading the book, you know, there'll be a... a, a There'll be a mention of a of a song um, that's playing um, in the background or something like that to bring back that nostalgia. It's basically a love story, uh, but it's also but it's deeper than just a love story. It's really a story of growth. You have a young man by the name of Chase Douglas, who um, is a is a lady killer. Uh, young. He's 18. Uh, we meet him the night he graduates high school. He thinks he knows a little bit about everything. Um, we meet him meet him and his, his friends the night that they graduate high school. And then we have a young lady. Everything's set here in Rochester as well. Yeah, cool. we, have a, we have a young lady who is uh, raised in Greece, New York. Um, she's beautiful, um, extremely intelligent, uh, and I purposely made her dark-skinned. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times in books with um, African-American themes, they tend to make the dark-skinned women um, evil or ratchet of right. some sort. But she is neither. She's yeah. extremely intelligent. She is um, very beautiful, extremely beautiful, over-the-top beautiful. And uh, But she's stuck in kind of like a vanilla relationship uh, with a young man. She's also 18. And um, they meet at a college a fictional college called McNair University, which is actually crafted after Brockport University. Okay. And, yeah, and then there, yeah. Then there's a uh, professor there who went from a felon to being a professor. And he's given his first opportunity to teach at McNair University. And um, so that's his first time. So they all kind of meet there. But he also, as, as the book goes on, we, we, we dig into his past. And we come to understand that he has a kind of shaky past with love as well. So they all meet, and then we kind of see what happens. And being on a college campus, I purposely made it there as well, um, because, of course, on college campuses, a lot of fertile ideas are made. Right. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a place in which people can grow. Mm-hmm. I remember very fondly in, my, fondly in my college years, and I learned so much those you know four years um, and I wanted to capture that essence of what I learned about love, life, and um, you know just people in general. So right. that's why I wanted to make it on that college campus. Then we just kind of watch what happens. There's a lot of humor in there, dark humor, seriousness. Uh, it's life,
1: yeah. you know,
2: it's, it's like and a lot of love too.
1: It's, it sounds cool with all these kind of stories merging mm-hmm. together. Yes.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the fun part. You watch how each each person each those are the three main characters. How eventually they all kind of boom. And yeah. then we like, yeah. okay. Yeah,
0: it does so.
2: sound very good. Yeah, people love it.
0: The blurb on your book says you write in the language of hip-hop. Can you elaborate on that for some of our readers who might not know?
2: Well, through through the characters, I wanted the characters to be authentic as possible. And uh, Chase, the male main character, you know, he, he fancies himself. Actually, he's a pretty good um uh, producer, uh, rapper, but he's still growing. So, and his environment, especially in Rochester, is that of a lot of other young black men, you know, and they when they speak, um, they're going to speak in that particular language. Um, even, her, and the young lady's name is Kamara. I, I don't think I mentioned that. Her name is Kamara Truth. And she also loves hip hop. But again, she just was born in, you know, the suburbs, raised in the suburbs. Um, but she also has a, a, a love of hip-hop and we kind of find that out as well you know as the two meet and uh it's kind of it's interesting to see how they can come from quote-unquote different places but still have the same love for this genre of music okay. so um kind of yeah. brings them
1: together and
2: to a degree yes it does yeah. yes it does yes it does
1: so okay so in the bio you sent us um It says, you said that a local high school principal was inspired by your book to mentor young men named after the book. Um, Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. I was wondering, can you tell us a little more about that? And um, you said, you know, that program get launched yet?
2: Yeah, it was, it was, they're they're retooling it now, but it did get launched last year. And it was basically about uh, men, black men in the community, Uh mentoring um, young, you know, young boys to be, you know, successful as possible um, they are retooling the program as we speak you know, so that everybody can get the most out of it but just the fact that she thought of my book um, and the title of it um, b-boy and let me a lot of people who not into hip-hop they don't really know what a b-boy is mm-hmm. and then why would I call the book b-boy to man b-boy is a hip-hop reference okay Back in the day I didn't
0: know that
1: so that's, I'm glad you're explaining it yeah.
2: right Back in the days um, when hip-hop was formed, um, there was a DJ. Obviously, hip-hop was uh, formed by, uh, it was created, excuse me, by a young man uh, named DJ Kool Herc. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's, he's who scholars recognize as the founder of hip-hop. Uh, there are some other people who say people different, but for his purposes, we're going to use Cool Herc. So at a party, what he would do is he would find the breaks for each record. You know, song would go on, song would go on. And then each record, a lot of these records that they would find, they would have a break beat, meaning it would just be the drums, maybe a little bit of bass or something like that. So they would bring back the beat and bring it back and just play that, they had two turntables, so they could play it back, play it back. And uh, um, so they were called B-Boys because the beat, beat boys, and they would dance to it. Okay. So eventually it was b girls and b, b b girl b girls and b boys because they were dancing to the beat yeah um, the um, the break beats yeah so very early this is this how hip hop was started so as time went on as hip hop continued to develop you know if you were a rapper if you were a boxer you were whatever if you was a part of hip hop you know you could be called a b boy or be or uh, a b girl if you were part of that so wow. the analogy is chase is a b boy who eventually it's going to turn into a man. Right. So that's where um, the B-Boy, to man title in reference comes in. I hope that helps.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so she incorporated, the teacher incorporated that into the school. So that's, it's really yeah. neat. That's yes. awesome.
0: It sounds like a very relatable book to a lot of the young people of today. So I think, I think that's great.
2: Well, the good thing about it is it's not only relatable to the young people because I said it in 1989, folks my age, and even oh, older true love it and, and it really doesn't matter your race um it really does and I can tell you a very quick story first of all i have a my mother has a um older lady that she kind of helps out every now and then she's i'd be eighty and when she read the book she read the book in like two days and and like she all would call her mother when is when is Corey read the book? I need the next book I need the next book <laughs> That's yeah. yeah and then there was a young lady who i um it was a, a White lady who I worked with um, fairly recently. She's from Canada. Well, you know, little mid fifties. Right. Never been in the city or none of that type of stuff. Okay. And she didn't understand. She, I kept telling her I have a book out, so she didn't really connect it to. her. I'm like, listen here, re- read my book. And so it took her a while. She was an avid reader. Whatever she in the lunchroom, she always read the book. Always reading the book. So I said, just try my book. And she said, okay. So hour or two later, she looks up for me because we were kind of cubicles were kind of close to each other. She said, you wrote this? was <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> I wrote this. And then she couldn't stop reading. And every time she would see me, I need the book, I need the book. So it really doesn't matter your race, your gender, your ethnicity. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that's extremely relatable in the book. Right. That's yeah. cool.
0: Very good. What is the most important thing you've learned during the publishing process, would you say?
2: The tenacity to actually get it out. Uh, you know, we had a choice early on whether or not we wanted to use a, you know, publisher. Yeah. You know, just do the manuscript mm-hmm. and send it to a publisher and kind of wait. But we said, you know, we wanted to own the book, uh, and we wanted to put it out. And so we did everything ourselves. Um, and we learned that we need to use a. That's why we redid the book because we had to use a real professional editor. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you're gonna. It's, important. You to, <laughs> it's yeah. very important if you're going to do it, you know, you really have to um, trust in the people and pay the people who know exactly what they're doing. Right. But um, we're actually now turning it back around and we want to see, um, you know, if we can get a, uh, you know, get some national um, editors, no, excuse me, not editors, uh, publishing companies to look at the book. We're actually looking at some uh, right now because of the series nature of the book, you know, with it being four of them and stuff. Right. so. So yeah. We're kind of rethinking that now, um, you know. So we're look, definitely going to be looking at uh, getting the book um, "Endless and Big Hands."
1: Oh, cool. So, is there anything you edited out of this book that was you had to let go or just didn't work?
2: Uh, I would say, I would say no. One of one of my one of the most important. This is for a lot of young writers. Uh, one of the most important things you have to understand and realize is every time you write, you have to risk something. So, yeah, every time you write, you have to risk something. If you're not risking something, then you're not Mm -hmm. writing. So, um, no. Um, Mm -hmm. If if you go there, if you go there, then you have to go there. And there's a reason why the thought got put in your head to go there. And then you go there, even if you're risking something, you know, but that's what connects people. So no, not really. We, we're going to go there. We're going to do it. We're going to do it.
0: Awesome. How long did it take to write the the book? The first one.
2: Three, three years, okay. three years. Started in 2011. Uh, we released it in 2014. Um, I remember the day I came up with the, um, with the treatment. And for those of you who, well, most of you should know what a treatment is, but anyway, it's the whole book in one to three pages. And, um, I remember when I wrote The Treatment and I shared it with my uh, godbrother, uh, shout out to Lawrence Evans, who did the book with me, and uh, another good friend of mine um, named Sean Chris, one of my roommates from uh, Brockport back in the days. And I, you know, gave them the stuff, gave them the, the treatment. And, but even before I did, I knew I had something. I just kept, like, I was. remember driving around Giddy because I'm like, I got it, like, this is it. And I, you know, send it to them and both of them were like, yeah, yeah, this is, this is dope, you know, this, this is it, you know, and I, and then when I sent the first five to 10 chapters to my God brother who told me that I could write, I never knew that I even had the ability to write a book. And, you know, we were kind of um like 2008, 2009, you know, we were, I was working on my craft and stuff, went back to Brockport and stuff like that. So I was sending them stuff, sending them stuff, we were working on a book and it was good, but it wasn't. Great. So when I sent them the chapters to this book, he was blown away. He was like, Oh, that's it, man. Like, wow, like this is really good. He's the type where if it's trash, he's gonna tell you it's trash. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So I I do I have some. Yes. Every writer needs a friend like that.
1: So how do you relate to your story or your characters on a personal level?
2: The lead character is about forty percent me. Okay. I would say rest is imagination. The whole story is like 40% of stuff that actually happened. The other 60% is just pure imagination. So they they always say to write what you know. Mm -hmm. And if you know yourself, you know, your your journey and how you got to here, you know, you can actually look back honestly and say, you know what? Yeah, you know, this and that and that and this, and this is the reason why this happened and stuff like that. You can explore it from a different perspective once you get older and once you're removed from that bubble. And so that's why I, another reason why I wrote the book, because, you know, just because you're 18, 19, 20, you don't have to be stuck being 18, 19, 20 with all the mistakes and, you know, life coming at you that you make then, you can grow from it, you can learn from it. And then when you reach the other side of 40, you know, you can say, hey, I made it. And, but it was crazy, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. to kind of, you know, fictionalizing it and stuff like that, so. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot, of me and people who I grew up with.
1: Yeah, so they're the, some of the characters are based on your people you knew.
2: Yes, some yeah. people I knew, like the lead. Excuse me, the lead character, a female character, Kamara, Kamara True, is like three, three women that I think throughout high school. I'm sorry, okay. throughout college, three okay. women to one.
0: Yeah, mm. that's a neat way of doing it. Yes you hope your book will impact your readers?
2: You know, do, I want them to be able to relate to it. I want them to go through the gamut of emotions. I want them to laugh, cry, think, um, reminisce. I want them to go through a full journey. And, and a lot of people that have read it have said exactly that. They're like, man, I couldn't put the book down. It was, you know, it was it was, it was really good. And, and whenever they would see me, um, I, and it's crazy because you know, I released the book 2016, and when people see me, people I don't even recognize, or even know, you know, especially through Facebook. Corey, where's the book? We need the next book. Hurry <laughs> up, write it. Hurry up. I said, okay, we're doing it now, but it has to be, you know, better than the first one. So I don't care. We want a book. There's a cliffhanger at the end. No. There's, a, there's a really nice cliffhanger me. at the <laughs> end. Yeah, yeah, and they they're ready. They're they're really ready for it. So I'm hoping, and, hoping and praying that. April will be the, um, you know, the day when it's released.
1: Yeah. So in the second book, like, how does it kind of follow the story on without giving too much away?
2: Right, without giving too much away. Well, the first book takes place from 1980, I'm sorry, 1989 to 1993. All right. So that's the freshman part. Yeah. The next book takes place, actually, there's even deeper flashbacks to the 70s of, Stuff that, again, as you read the book, you're going to want to know. It's stuff that you didn't realize is like, oh, man. So it can go from the 70s all the way up until 2000 and oh, I forget. But yeah, so that, that's the time period, like 2005, 2006, somewhere in there. Um, so when you read it, every chapter um, with the first book, there's like a date on there. So you don't get lost and you just have to keep reading it. It's a date. It's a date on the top of the, of the book but yeah. you just keep reading it and then you'll realize like, Oh, okay, hold up. You'll go back and you're like, okay, now I understand. And then it'll all kind of mesh in together. And then the next book is kind of the same way, but for the current day, there's no dates on there. It's just dates when there's a flashback for the second oh, Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. All right, so we are now going into what we like to call our quirky cues, which so just, just kind of fun, quick questions. Um okay. So, Sheila, you can kick this off.
0: What is your favorite font?
2: My favorite thought?
0: Font, font, F-O-N-T.
2: Oh, I'm sorry, font. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, I Good. think it's, no, it's time something.
0: Time, it's,
1: time it's time, time New Roman. Roman. Yeah.
2: Yes, that one.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Sheila likes to ask people that. Um, What is your favorite, what was your favorite, like, young adult book or coming of age book?
2: Hmm. Um, I remember, I remember Superfudge. Oh, yeah. Yes, I do remember Superfudge. Um, And Tales of a Fourth Grade or Fifth Grade grade Nothing. nothing. Yes. (laughs) Yes, And and those books were, yeah, those books were interesting because I remember one of them dealt with death, I think. So yeah, that would be I do definitely remember I think Judy Bloom wrote those. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Judy Bloom. Yeah.
0: Cool. What word do you love?
2: Success. That's uh, you know, that's what I'm that's what I'm going that's what I'm chasing, <laughs> so to speak. Uh, you know, is I want it to be a success. You know, when you sit down and when you write something three years of your life in the next book, it's another three, four years of your life. You don't want it to be in vain. Um, so when, when people, you know, see me and when they say how much they love the book and all that stuff, that's like the, that's success to me. Yeah. That, that's, that's a fantastic feeling because you spent that much time and they got it. They yeah. got it. And it's a very fulfilling feeling. So that to me is success. And that's what I live for.
1: Oh, that's awesome. so when did you learn when did you learn the power of language and know that you wanted to be a writer?
2: Well, I used to rap um even when I was younger. I remember I was fourteen. I, um, the dictionary fascinated me. It'd be beautiful outside, sunny day. I'd be in my, I'd be at my grandmother's house, and I'd be upstairs mm-hmm. just reading the dictionary, copying words and, and you know, just being fascinated by the dictionary, the little little illustrations on there and then what the words meant and then the other meanings of the words and stuff like that. So I understood the power of words then and I was, you know, fascinated by it. Hmm. And then I transitioned into, um, the rapping, which also rapping helped me writing rhymes, writing songs, helped me to write a book because there's a, there's a, there's a certain, you have a certain amount of time. Get in to get it out and to leave your mark in each bar that you that you say uh, when you're rapping. You gotta you gotta wow. Em. You gotta bam bam bam. You yeah. got a certain amount of time to do that. So yeah. when I'm writing, you know, writing just regular, I, that still is in my mind. It's like okay, I, I got a certain amount of time to catch the reader and to pow wow with language with with words, different words, words they hadn't heard before. You know, but because of the sentence structures. It's structured so well they understand to a degree what that word means so language is very 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 powerful and that's when I learned I would say when I was 14 transitioning into rap and then of course when I start writing that's
1: cool what word do you hate
2: what word do I hate uh excuse my French but these bitches. in our community all, all too often you know our young some of our young ladies, refer to other young ladies and that like that and it's it's it just hurts my ear when i hear it because you know they're queens they're goddesses they're beautiful because of everything that you know we have gone through as a people as a community you know since been here you know in america yeah sometimes some of our people only see each other as that Mm -hmm. so i just hate that word i really do yeah it's
0: understandable
1: if you could meet any writer, dead or alive, who would you meet?
2: Uh, Dean Koontz. Oh, really? Yes. Remember, he wrote a book called Strangers, and I loved the book. The reason why I loved the book, because he introduced, uh, I got to reread it. Again. I read it years ago, but I'm going to reread it again. But anyway, he, uh, he introduced, I don't know, maybe six, seven different characters. And in my mind, I'm like, how in the world is he gonna tie all these people together with just, you know, this person is here, this person is there, this person is there, and it's like in my mind, I'm like, well, But as I read and reading it, reading it, read it, read it, somehow or another, he magically puts it all together. That style, I kind of borrowed from to a degree when I with wrote different characters. Exactly the different characters and how they're gonna interact with other characters who at the time when you first meeting them they have no idea what they're in for yeah so the way you magically mesh them uh that's what i liked uh, about that about um, uh, his writing style and i would be being cool so i would love to meet okay yeah, i always think that's
1: a cool writing format too to do that you see it in and books it and even in movies and stuff and it's just always kind of neat
2: when it's done and it's, it's very cinematic and a lot of people speaking of movies that's we believe that the book is good enough to be a movie, uh, Netflix or HBO or Showtime because of the dialogue and because of what you just said, the way it's this person, this person, this person, this person, but then right. they come together. So, yeah, absolutely.
0: Do you read the last page of a book before you finished it?
2: No, but before I start a book, I need to know how I'm going to finish it. When I write the treatment, I need to know how my story is going to end.
0: Oh, oh, yes, I see what you're saying.
2: Before I start writing it, and any young writer, I, t- I tell them know how your story is going to end before you begin it, because you'll be writing into infinity. Mm-hmm. You know, you you don't want to come try to come up with it on the cusp and on you know like oh yeah that's a-. no you want to sit down you want to think the story out and you want to come up with a definite ending. Now you can always change it if you need to, but at least you have a destination which you're writing to rather than just you know writing. So no, I don't when I when I'm watching something. Um no, I don't look, or reading something, no, I don't go to, because I have no idea what, what this is, what I'm reading. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like to start from the beginning and go real slow.
1: Alright, so if you were to, if you had a time machine, where would you go?
2: Oh, and I, I am fascinated by the past. I would go to June uh, 28th, which is my birthday, June 28th 1964 here in Rochester. As you know, or if you don't know, there were the riots of '64 here okay. in Rochester on Joseph Place. Okay. Sorry, on Joseph Avenue. I, I would be fascinated to see what Rochester looked like because, from what from my understanding and from my research, uh, Joseph Avenue um, in those times looked like Monroe Avenue. Really? Yes. And um, it's fascinating to me, you know that that um, this part of the city, you know, the part of the city, Joseph Avenue, um, which now is, you know, it's it's not it's not in good shape. Mm-hmm. Um, but back then, it was vibrant. Um, matter of fact, it went all the way up to Clifford Avenue, and people were saying that 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 was basically the end of downtown because there were so many stores, furniture stores, yeah, restaurants, really cool. yeah. Pool, pool hall and then you, and there's a couple pictures that i've seen and you can look from downtown um joseph avenue and then you look up and all you see is stuff wow. but now was, yeah you know it's gone and it'll never be back like that so that is when i would go back in time and i would just watch and just yeah. observe i'll try to take as many pictures as i could too <laughs>
1: Maybe you'll write historical fiction sometime. That was a very vivid picture. So.
2: I'm thinking about it too, because that's a um that's an important time and you know cause the, uh, that time uh, that was the first time that the um, national guards had been called had been called to a northern city it was okay. right here in Rodgers. Very first, so not Harlem, not Chicago, uh-huh. not Detroit, not Buffalo. It was in Rochester. It was the first time a northern city that had the um, the the state, not the state, yeah, the troopers, the national guard, excuse me, had them been called up to quell for three days of violence. Look right. it up. It's, it's, it's yeah. there. Yeah. So
0: that's interesting.
2: Yeah. Revolution. I know that. Yep. Yeah. Yep.
0: Okay, so if you were to write a book about yourself, what would you name it?
2: Uh, I would probably name it again, B Boy the Man, because I'm constantly evolving, you know, yeah. and um, that's. You, you want to always continue to grow as a person. So, you know, everybody's constantly involved. The age I'm at now, 10 years, 15 years from now, I'm going to know something different. And I, I didn't know that. You know, I, so people need to stop thinking they know everything, even in their 30s and 40s. No, you still got more life to live. Yeah. So you don't know until yeah. you know it. So, yeah, I would say be boy the Man.
1: So thank you so much for joining us.
0: Um, This was a great chat. pleasure. Very nice to talk to you. Do you have any sites or links you'd like to to plug in the interview or any events coming up or anything you'd like to add?
2: Yeah, well, um, go to Amazon.com and order B-Boy the Man. Go right there. Really (laughs) simple. If you're in the city, you know, I'll autograph it for you. That's not a problem. Um, but yeah, but definitely go right to Amazon.com, type in B-Boy the Man Freshman, you can get it. Uh, we're also having, um, I also created the first um, ever in, in the history of Rochester, the uh, Black Author Expo here. Uh, be I'll, oh, i doing our I fifth. Yeah. yeah. No, it's okay. I, we're doing our fifth year, so May 4th, 2019, uh, Wilson Foundation. Uh, we're going to have authors, like last year, for instance, we had authors that was far away from Tennessee and Texas come up. Oh wow! So yep. 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 and we also have a, a youth writing award that's open to all kids, uh, no matter your uh color, um, religion doesn't matter as long as you're in high school, go from seventh to twelfth grade. We also have a um, you know, writing contest where you can win money and you can win a, a trophy as well. And we're gonna present it at the fifth annual Rochester Black Author Expo, and we're actually turning it our, our organization into a nonprofit. So we can, um, you know, spread literacy and raise literacy um, here in Rochester. We want to turn out some authors, you know, young, um, African-American, Latino, Mm -hmm. underprivileged, um, poor, white, doesn't matter. We want to, you know, reach them and we want to turn them into, um, you know, published authors. So we're in the process of doing that now.
1: That's awesome. We'll have to be kept up to date on all that. That'd be
2: neat. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll, I'll let you guys know.
1: Did you have any other events, or is that it?
2: No, that's those. Those are pretty much it as far as uh, literary things are concerned. So yeah, okay. Yeah. And you thank you so much for having me. And um, all your listeners, pick up B Boy the Man. Trust me, you're gonna really dig it. You, it you're sounds... gonna really you, you dig it. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Sounds awesome. Yeah, you're gonna like it.
1: Well, thank you, Corey. And it was so nice to chat with you. And that's another episode
0: of Rock Rights. If you like what we do, we ask that you leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. If you are interested in an interview or learning more, please locate us at rockwrites.com or our Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash wherewritersrock. Until next time, thanks for listening and happy reading.